know Karras going to hate me for this, but I, I personally think it's a travesty that, you know, my boy Callum Hasmodoy did not get called out. What? Um, no, <laughs> what? I leave the pod How dare you? Hello and welcome to the B2B podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Karras, joined by Kevin and Denzel as usual. So it's good to be back. And today the main focus of this podcast will be on rebuilding the broken club that is Manchester United. So today we're joined by two guests, which is United District's Dylan and another good friend, Yusuf. So if you guys want to introduce yourselves. Uh, I'm Dylan. I've been working, uh, well, I set up United District kind of, I like head it. I have done for the past like year and a half and I've known Kerry's quite a while online and I like to talk about United a lot. Mostly waffle, but it's uh, thank you for inviting me. No worries, it's a pleasure to have you. It was Kevin's idea to bring you on, so thank him for that as well. And Yusuf, you want to introduce yourself too? That will also be very... Yo, what's up, guys? Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm Yusuf. Uh, again, I've been good friends with Karis for quite a while. I'm not, you know, a founder of United District, but I have written for them once and uh, hope to do so again in the future. And uh, I've seen Karis play football in real life, so he'd better be nice today, otherwise... No, no, no! You, you were actually very good. To be fair, you were very, very good. I was gonna yeah. say I, I had rumors that carries it every. Yeah, I had lies on lock. Oh, Leah, that's how you say his name. I keep forgetting. Yes, honestly, he he was so frustrated playing against. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna hand it over now to Kevin, who's gonna take the reins for this United section and talk about this broken dead club. So yeah, over to you. Your degree of shade will not be taken lightly. Nevertheless. <laughs> Let me set the narrative. So essentially, Manchester United is the, the biggest club, arguably the biggest club in world football. But unfortunately, following po- post-2013, we really have taken a complete nosedive. And I do kind of believe that us as, a, as, us as the fans are not truly accepting how low we really have. Bec- so essentially, what I believe is really needs to be discussed is how do we actually rebuild this club? Like unbiased, no matter how you feel about a certain player, whether you like Ronaldo, you love Maguire, how do we actually rebuild this club? Granted, the owners aren't necessarily a realistic route to go down. So starting with the managers, if I was to direct this conversation with um, Yusuf and Dylan, starting with the manager, who do you think should actually be the manager out of Pochettino and Ten Hag? I would would definitely say Ten Hag, to be honest. Uh, um, Obviously, there's like the question of yeah, he's done it in the Dutch league, but like translating over to the Prembo for me, like his style and just just so many other things about him are better for what we need right now than mm-hmm. Poch. I think in I think if we wanted to get Poch, the time to get after 2019, that was just not the time, if you know what I mean. That like now we'd just be getting him too late. And we do have a habit of doing things too late, but we need to break out of that habit. So I would definitely say interesting. What are you doing? How you what do you feel about um Ten Hag? I agree, but I can't claim to say that I know a lot about him. Like, mm. I don't watch Ajax. I feel a lot of people who claim they say they know a lot about Ten Hag, whatever, probably don't. They've probably read some articles on The Athletic or something and then based their opinion off there. But I I like Ten Hag because, A, I want to be able to say that we've got the best board manager in Manchester. Um, and B, just because from what I have seen, for example, their 2017 team, how they managed to sell uh, De Jong, De Ligt and ZF to three like their most important players and then rebuild fairly quickly, considering like kind of who they are compared to the giant European clubs who have billions and billions of money to spend every couple of decades. It just seems impressive from the outset. 
and it will be nice to go with something that's I would say a bit of a wild card because we've gone with Mourinho because we knew he was good in the past. We went with Van Gaal because we knew he was good in the past. We went with Moyes off a recommendation. Um, Solskjaer, yeah, was a bit of a wild card, but again, he kind of got the job because he was good in 10 games after we kind of threw him in there because we had no one else. So I think it would be nice to have Ten Hag just to have a bit of a wild card and throw someone else into the mix. And also from the outset, he seems like he's got, you know, head on right. He knows what he's doing and he's got a set of principles, which is mm. more than you can say about a lot of managers we've had, kind of and managers well, I, that are, are, are available as well. I completely agree with that. I think um, the beauty of Ten Hag is kind of his weakness at the same time in the sense that we don't necessarily know him. I can't sit here and say I've watched the Eredivisie. However, I believe that he's a product in terms of his system he's going to produce that a lot of Premier League teams will have to take some time to, to get used to the way he plays. And I feel like a United team that's like a wild card where just like, whoa, what kind of tactic is this? Will be really, really beautiful. And another fact I also want to touch on is actually the Pogba saga. So essentially, Ten Hag has experience with both Van der Beek and Frankie de Jong. We'll get to that. And I do kind of believe that Ten Hag may actually end up being a win-win situation in also the situation of Pogba. So let's say Pogba was to go. I believe he would very much introduce Van der Beek properly into the team. And Frankie de Jong is a, is a long shot. But let's say, for example, we're able to get that. I think that would be beautiful. And in the long run, we may actually be in a more stable situation than with Pogba, one minute he's staying, next minute he wants he wants to leave. Like, I do believe we, have to, we do have to move forward. But then, to, for the sake of devil's advocate, Pochettino is Premier League proven. It's up to you to decide whether you are a fan of that narrative. However, you know what you're going to get with Pochettino. And do you think that PSG is an actual representation of how he is as a manager? Or is this just egos being an issue here you do not want Pochettino I will tell you that for free oh I don't want Pochettino I don't want Pochettino <laughs> just for debate's sake <laughs> no but I have a question though why yeah. knowing so everyone's always saying Ten Hag Ten Hag Ten Hag but the thing is he doesn't he's had fairly good teams with Ajax and he doesn't really get like he hasn't gotten to the quarterfinals of them or he hasn't gotten past that stage doesn't that worry you that even when he had a great team like that he couldn't produce something yeah but he built them teams yeah, he's had great teams, but he's built them. Like he's the one who's kind of managed. He's gone. He's the one who's gone and beat Real Madrid at their stadium. I forgot the name. With Tadic and Ingles. Yeah, like with Tadic, who in the in the Prem was all right. He was Southampton's best player at the time, I think, if I recall correctly. But that's still Southampton's best player. That's not that's not United's best player. That's not Arsenal's best player. Like he's the one that's built those good teams. And although Ajax famously, obviously their academy is meant to be nuts, um, you've still got to have a really, really, really good manager to properly blend them into proper football and then take them to the European stage and let them ball there as well. Like they in that one season, 2017, they beat uh, Real Madrid away. I think they beat Juventus away. I can't remember, someone else as well. I don't really necessarily agree with the argument that he's been given good teams because he's the one that's made them. And even now as well, after, as I said before, after they got rid of some of their old players and sold them for millions and millions, they used that money and rebuilt another good team with another set of kind of really highly talented players. Yeah. Even guys like, sorry, even guys like Anthony, who they got from the Brazilian league, he developed so well. Um, Guys like Sebastian Haller, who wasn't really in favour at West Ham, came to Ajax, started bagging goals straight away. I know the difference in 
difficulty of leagues, of course, but Haller's done very well for them. Like in, especially in Champions League too. And yeah, in terms of Poch, the thing is, I get that his squad isn't to his image, maybe, even though it's like a superstar squad. But at the same time, these men, literally today, they got beaten 3-0 by Monaco. 3-0. I said Chouameni was eating their midfield up this oh, speak. To be fair, Chouameni is, is should, he needs to be our number one target this summer. He is sensational. Oh my gosh. But now going back to what Dylan said, actually, about um, Ajax beating Real Madrid, they didn't just beat Real Madrid. They absolutely embarrassed Real Madrid. Like I, I, They absolutely played them off the park. They pressed them into oblivion. This and this is Real Madrid, by the way. This is a team with some of the most technical, press-resistant footballers in the world. They couldn't handle Ajax's intensity. Now, I think people talk about Ajax's ability to hold the ball and their ability in possession, but I think their intensity out of it is not spoken about enough either. Because, like, you look, you look at them, even even in Europe and stuff. You look at them; they are so intense. These guys are absolute dogs off the ball, and that is actually something United are missing as well. United. There's no intensity, like you know. What happened to Rangnick? Bringing that, <laughs> I think I think Rangnick upped it quite a lot. But again, there's only so much he can do when the players just aren't willing to put the work in. But then that's where I feel like Rangnick going upstairs, and that's and that's where he belongs. Truly, that's that's you know he's he's a decent enough manager, but he but he belongs. That's where he really thrives at the top. Rangnick coming in and actually you know changing things at the club, Ten Hag coaching the players. That will change. That will change things, and I want to see some intensity at Old Trafford because I, I don't like the how. I, I like a lot of our players, but I don't like how hard they don't work. Like uh, honestly, our intensity makes me ill. Well, fantastic point um, by Yusuf because in addition to um, Yat Rangnick going upstairs, I believe that Rangnick and Ten Hag are closer in ideologies than Pochettino and Rangnick. So, for example, I remember Rangnick making a statement saying that we are tired. Um, that United should stop looking at players who are the peak of their powers looking for their next big payday, but rather go for a young, hungry player who are who's in their, like, let's say, second contract, for example. And I see Ten Hag looking looking at those, like, low-key signings, just like, who the hell is this? Then when you see him on his debut, you're just like, that's who he is. And I feel like that's what we should be doing at this point in time. Like, I don't want to see Harry Kane coming to the club. Like, I know some people may like him, but I want a young, hungry striker who is looking to fight for the badge as well as their career, as opposed to just some generic, old, normal transfer that everyone's going to get excited about. Then when you realise that he went out ruining his career, we're going to start crying over. But that leads me to the rebuilding aspect of things. So starting with Yusuf and Dylan, I think we should start with selling first, because I know that our club is bloated with all the wrong mentalities. So we'll focus on starting lineup because if we had to go over the whole squad, we'll be here for four days. So let's start with the goalkeeper. In the case of David De Gea, I are love you him. keeping oh, or selling boy. and why? Sell, sell, get rid. Actually, <laughs> actually, to be honest, to be honest, I don't think it's possible to sell him because no club in Europe is dumb enough to pay him as much as he earns. But his contract is up not this summer, summer after next. I feel like we've got to run down his contract and let him go because... <clears throat> This guy's holding us back so much. Like, he's making great saves every week and he's been performing well and saving us. But at the same time, he's holding us back because, like, we, he's having to make those, that many saves because of his style of play. We can't sustain any pressure on teams because of his refusal to leave his line, his inability to pass a football. Like, this guy, honestly, you see, you see the videos of this guy trying to kick a football. He's got the weakest kick I've ever seen. And he just kicks it straight to the opposition every time. It actually, 
Oh my, it pisses me off, man. You kicked him. Do you swap deal? Do you want to swap deal for Kappa? <laughs> I'd no. take it, honestly. <laughs> All right, Dylan, how, what do you think about David De Gea? Um, I think he's just had such a massive fall from grace. And that's partly due to him not improving and widening his game. And also partly just to the game moving on from players like him. Like he, <clears throat> he has, I still personally think he is like an elite level shot stopper. A, he had a couple of rough seasons. Um, hilariously, rough, there was rougher seasons when we had the ball the most. Um, but he is still in a, like a, I would say up to an elite level shot stopper. Like some of the saves he makes are ridiculous. But I think they are summed up in one point is a moment he had against Atletico Madrid where Maguire was doing something on the ball, no idea what, um, kind of dallying around the penalty area, passed it to De Gea. De Gea then clears it horribly straight to Atletico and then De Gea then makes a good save. And a lot of De Gea's good stuff and the clips that he generates comes from him not being where he should be in the first place. So mm. I would sell De Gea, but I would also sell Henderson just because as much as I actually wouldn't mind seeing him in goal for a season, for his sake, he needs to go. Like, he's been under a couple managers now who've like either not given him a chance or given him a bit of a chance. He's done well and they've binned him off anyway. So mm. I'd say sell both of them. And then get get someone new and find someone else. Completely agree. So I, think, I believe there's three cells. Um, however, one thing I will say about De Gea is he's definitely earned his legend status. He's a he's a minor a legend in my eyes. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, I'd yeah. agree with that. I can back that. Ask, ask, ask Arsenal fans what he did to you guys at the Emirates. Remember, I was there. They... I was there. You were there. That's a lifelong memory. I was. Memory I, was for you, I was. Um, I got tickets in the Arsenal family stand because I couldn't get hey. in the away end. Yeah, and I was, I was infiltrated. I was, by, I was on my ones as well. It was just me. I had no one around me. I was just sat there by myself. And I was, yeah. I was, right behind the goal from that Sanchez save, and hmm. the, both United's first two goals. Best day of my life. My first day, one of my first major games for United. Uh, nah, I was literally sat there like Ooh. biting my glove because it was freezing cold as well. I was like biting <laughs> my glove, trying not to celebrate. But we went two and a half inside forty minutes. It was beautiful. Uh, that's, that's a lifelong memory. Must be. Lucky, I, I went lucky, to school. Lucky. I went to school the next day. Yeah, all yeah. the United fans were gasping. This is a massive <laughs> performance. We played so well. We should have won that game. Oh, it was dear. the least sustainable game I've ever seen in my life. You know, the next day was a Sunday, right, Karis? The next day was a the Sunday. What? what school were you going to? So not, so not Sunday. Monday, I meant. <laughs> I meant Monday. Yeah. Right, moving bad. on. Arguably the most polarizing player of um, the modern United era. Luke Shaw. Keep, 100% keep. He's one of our best players. Okay. How far you man have fallen that Luke Shaw's one of your best players, man? Luke no, Shaw's no, a ve- Luke Shaw no, is a very Shaw, good player. No. Always, when always he, when he actually player. plays, he's class. Like when he's, I like, I'd say like last season he was class. In the Euros, class. This season, him along with most of the squad have just been a bit in the bin. And I can't really, you can't blame him too much for that, I don't think. To a certain degree, yeah, you can because they're all playing poorly. But like, it's not like he's playing badly and everyone else is playing well. He's suffering from the same thing everyone else is, to a certain degree. So I definitely keep him. But as a squad I option, think or one alternative. I, I really want to under like a proper left winger. Only reason being that the left, the fullback position is a position where you're meant to play as a duo with your left winger in the sense of attacking wise and a, def- and a winger that does track back. He's never really had that his entire career. Um, as much as Luke Shaw's, because we're not we're not like a body shaming podcast, but as much as Luke Shaw's body doesn't necessarily look like the most athletic, he does have good fitness. 
and that's me being sincere as possible. He never stops running. He does have an engine. He's more like a Rooney type of build. So I hate I hate people that say that oh Luke Shaw is like a, a lazy player or is not fit when you've seen this for England and for United. So for now, I'll say keep, but that will be linked to a change in the left wing position because Rashford get him out of it. But nevertheless, we'll get to that point eventually. I, I think that's another thing go about okay. Shaw's form. I think, yeah. sorry, sorry. I think another thing about Shaw's form is Maguire's bad form and the impact yeah. that has on Shaw because obviously their connection's quite an important part of our build-up. But no, my thing about Shaw is like, I love him. He's fantastic. But at times he can mentally switch off a bit. And like, like you say, he's always running. He's always working hard. Like when people say he's like he's fat or whatever, it just shows their lack of knowledge. But then like he can drop in intensity sometimes, which is frustrating because you know just how good he is when he's really on it. That when he's really on it, I would say there's maybe only two, three better left backs in world football. Big statement. Which is a big state, big statement, but I really believe Shaw is that good. That, Yusuf, I can't, I can't defend you on that one still. <laughs> no, wait, wait. Let, me, let me add my bit to it. Like, in terms of Luke Shaw, like, last season was fantastic. I used to say that, oh, this guy's one of the best left backs in the world, top five. In the Euro, he played quite well too, especially when he got that goal for England in the final. Everyone was on top of the world at that time. Um, this season, he's been, like, for me, been very poor, especially defensively. But I will also say that the modern fullback nowadays has more of a responsibility in the attack. And the reason why I'd keep Shaw just for now, we'll see how he performs next season as well. The reason why I'd keep him for now is because he offers so much to United's build-up play or is one of the only few players that can actually build up play because a lot of their players they've got in build-up are quite inept, to be honest, which we'll get onto later. So I'd say just monitor Shaw's form for now, but keep him as first choice because Tellers is absolutely useless. Like, Oh my God, don't even get me started on him. Luke Shaw's only 26 as well, so you can keep him as a squad option. Like he's got time. Mm, I completely agree. Um now I'm just gonna say this. I believe Harry Maguire is probably the worst signing of the Premier League era, not just United. And the, the reason why I'm saying this is because okay, this is that I, sorry, I apologize. I started out biased. Harry Maguire, keep or sell. I'm saying keep. Oh, okay. Ooh, we got a curveball. I'm saying I know. I'm saying keep just because. I think Maguire, I partly don't completely understand the <clears throat> reason we bought him. Hmm. Just because Sol- the way Solskjaer wanted to play didn't fit in with how Harry Maguire excels. But we have him and he is a good player. Like normally, I would say. He's been absolute shock in the season, no doubt about it. He shouldn't be playing. Like Varane Lind- I think Varane Lindelof should be our back two for the rest of the season. Um, but I do think I might just be clinging on to kind of hope and slight hoping we don't embarrass ourselves completely because we did pay a million for him. But I do think there's 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 a player there that if and like if a new manager can make a system which incorporates him, he's a massive net positive because mm. he's good in the box. He's good at passing. And those forward runs he used to do at Leicester, I used to love because they just look so funny. But um, <laughs> I I think that he definitely has a part to play in a squad that can challenge. But if the but next elite. manager can't figure that out, just in any competition, like just be kind of up there, like not necessarily a, a league winning team, but we can't mm. think about being a league winning team, right? We league winning team right now. We need to think yeah. about someone who can at least challenge for it in some capacity or push it. Mm. And I think he's definitely got a place in a squad there. It's just that he needs to massively fix up his form and 
be lucky in the way of getting into a system that can do well for him. Those are beautiful points. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um, Yusuf, before I get to my, my opinion on Maguire. To be honest, all right, I don't think it's even possible for us to sell Maguire because we'll want to recoup as much of the 80 million as possible, but that's that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Like, honestly, I, I, I don't mind him too much, but the, it was just a ridiculous amount of money to pay for him like even at the time of him i was a big fan of him i even said a year before we should have bought him but it, it was a ridiculous amount of money but no like dylan said like he is a really good player when he's on it you know what, yeah i'm actually i'm gonna come up with another controversial take i'd say Maguire at his top level is better than someone like john stones at his top level but the thing that separates them is john stones maintains a more consistent level whereas Maguire, you know he can be really good or he can be really bad yeah. And when he's when he's really bad, like he's just catastrophic. It's just like error after error after error, and you're just like, you don't want to put up with him at all. And that's and that's and that's the issue with paying eighty million because you can't pay eighty million for a guy that inconsistent. But like for all the talk about Pogba's supposed inconsistency, and Pogba Pogba's been far more consistent, by the way. Let's just put that out there. He's been far both than Maguire, and then people say he's been. But like you can't you you can't be that inconsistent for eighty million. But Again, like Dylan said, I think in the right system, we could see more consistency and, you know, see a very good level from him. Yeah, that's a very good point, Yusuf. But um, my personal opinion on Maguire, keeping it un- as unbiased as possible, because I have a history of this pod of just berating Maguire. Maguire, on his day, at best, I will say, is a very safe, level-headed defender. But based on the characteristics of the modern game, I believe Harry Maguire is not a very good signing for any team that wants to be serious reason being on the standards of a slow defender he's at the he's at the worst end of it like someone like Hummels maybe class as a whole defender but Hummels is smoking Maguire on a a 1v1 race and then when it comes to ball playing because of his clumsiness he undermines his ability to play the ball a lot of the time and I feel like as much as we do love a ball playing defender end of the day we do want a defender that can defend and I feel like that speed is something that was always going to let us down, especially if we have to keep cushioning him with two CDMs. And a lot of the time, our fullbacks have to tuck in as well, which often leaves us quite um, like uh, weak at the back post. So, Harry Maguire, for a lot of reasons, I don't believe is a very good, very very good signing. And add the captain's armband to that as well. We literally are a laughing stock. All the the rival clubs are uh, like to laugh at us for having Maguire's. I never, I never agreed with giving him captaincy. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I don't know who I want to be captain in the club. I can't lie. I'm assuming this is something else we can talk about. But it like him being captain so quickly after get coming here, I I never got it. I never understood it because it was such a it's, risk, which I don't think has, which hasn't paid off. Yeah, it was. And he's if you notice, his football kind of went down around the time he got the captain's armband because it's quite a heavy toll on him. But quite frankly, I think our defender should have been Koulibaly. When Koulibaly was available, we should have got Koulibaly because he's got the right height for you, he's got the right speed for you, he's got the right strength for you. And even the aerial threat that we're talking about, which was kind of the rationale behind signing Maguire in the first place, because we felt that Chris Smalling and Phil Jones weren't physical enough and they weren't smart defenders. Um, I saw a statistic that this year, I believe United have had 150, 260 corners and we've only scored one goal. Two. 80 million pounds, that's, that's not cutting it. Yeah, no, the, our corners this season have been atrocious. I don't get it. For my humble opinion, I believe that we have probably made the biggest mistake of the Premier League era in Harry Maguire. But that's just me. But in the case of Varane, love the guy. 
I absolutely love him. Like, I feel like a beautiful signing, but he can't stay healthy. And the best skill is availability, in my humble opinion. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think you, his availability has bit. Sorry, Karis, go ahead. Yeah, you man was singing Champions League Varane. <laughs> now it's just getting injured. <laughs> yeah, his availability earlier in the season was a concern. I think recently it's been better. Like he's 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 been a bit more available. And I hope he continues that at the end of the season because he's so, so clearly our best centre-back. Like it's honestly, I don't even think it's close. Uh, I, I think he's just a level above everybody else. He's really... I watch him play and there's so many things I see him do that the others just don't do. He's The way he defends, he's so intelligent. But then I, I don't know, I always see United fans just straight up lie about him. Like They say he makes mistakes. He's literally made like, one mistake all season against Newcastle. Like they say, they say, oh, he just backs off. Like he steps out all the time into midfield and stuff. He's, he presses constantly, like out from the back. This guy is a really, really good player. I really, really hope he stays fit because he's got, you know, the experience, the stuff that's needed. I was inside Old Trafford for that Leco game. When Maguire got subbed off, first he just handed the armband to Varane. Then Varane went and gave it to Matic because naturally he's the guy you'd give it to. Matic went to give it to Pogba, but then Pogba said give it to Varane. And Varane wearing the armband, they're them, these are, you know, senior players who have been at the club for many years now. Them saying to get Varane to wear the armband. Ronaldo was on the pitch too. Getting Varane to wear the armband, that that was like a signal for me of how much these guys respect this guy, his experience, his leadership. Him him staying fit is important to any anything good United do. No, Varane's already underrated as a leader because I even saw videos from the French squad where other than Pogba, he was also giving speeches as well. So he's really an underrated leader. Varane's oh, a real man. I love him. I love Varane. Like, they're just, there's just something about him. I don't, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I just really like him. Uh, he's also class at the back. And he's also got the most amazing trophy cabinet. Like, his trophy cabinet's ridiculous. Um, and I do agree with the whole kind of giving Varane the armband. Uh for that moment was great, but shouldn't don't make him captain. I I gotta keep consistent saying I don't get why they gave it to Maguire straight after signing him. We can't then go and give it to Varane. Um, but I really like him and he's gonna be in our team hopefully for a while. And it's really obvious that he loves the Premier League. I remember after his debut against Wolves, he couldn't and like every interview he did, because I was covering the game, um, reading all the interviews, and he couldn't stop saying how much he loved the Premier League. He was like, Oh, I love playing here, I love playing this, I love playing that which is just so nice to see, even though he's been brought in and we've been in the bin since. He seems to be loving it, which is a good sign and makes me love him even more. He shows quite a lot of respect for the club and as well too. Like he, he, You can tell he's a guy who's actually done his research and stuff. Uh, as much as I hate the Glazers, I think I'm going to conclude with Rand with saying he's got the United DNA, but I, I, I hopefully they don't listen in on that. So I think for the right-back position, I'm going to word it like this. Going forward, is our future with Delo or Wambasaka? I'll let you you guys have a debate on that. The first thing you said is going forward, so I think that answers the question for us realistically. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Trick question. The answer is neither. Um, oh, I, I, I don't like. I think both of them have their qualities. Like, I, I like watching Wambasaka play purely for the reason that it's entertaining. Um, <laughs> even though he can't, he's, 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 a, he's a unique guy, I think, in football, Wan-Bissaka is. Like the way he plays, 
But ultimately, I feel like fullbacks, like he's not got what it takes to be best fullback in the world. He isn't Trent, who, by the way, I think is one of the most, like the best footballers at the moment, Trent. I love him as much as I hate that. Like as a footballer, he's a mess. But anyway, sorry, sidetracked. Um, Wambasaka and Delo both have too many uh, limitations to play. They've got their qualities. Wambasaka, generally, great defender. Delo, generally, is quite an intelligent player, I think. But both of them just have these glaring things. Like there's just something, neither of them really hit the spot for me in terms of being a fullback, especially again in the modern game. We're playing, we're playing, we're fielding players who, would have probably been great about 12 years ago, but they're not now. So kind of, I would say, bring a third, bring a third uh, fullback in, let Wambasaka and Delo fight for the second and first spot. And if one of them is able to fight for it, keep them. If neither of them can, get rid of them. Because we've also got um, Ethan Laird coming up from Bourne, uh, from the academy. He's been at Swansea, he was great. I don't know why we re- I don't know why we relearned him to Bournemouth. That was a weird decision because he was doing well with Swansea, and one of my good mates is a Swansea fan, and he loved him. They all loved him to bits. Like, so I would much rather genuinely maybe either bring a bring a third um, right back in or get um, and also just get Laird in and see what happens because I don't see either Wan Bissaka or Delo being that guy in the future. Yeah, that's. That's a very valid point, to be fair. I, I honestly don't understand Wambasaka because I, I, I think I was so gobsmacked when I discovered that he was a winger in his younger days. How can you lose such of a? How can you lose such a skill set when you become a right back later down the line? Like you got, you don't see the winger in him. But I'm just like, yeah, 50 million down the drain again. So for our defensive line, you can only see that we put 130 million down the drain. But um, Diego Delo, I see more potential in him because the beautiful night in Paris when we knocked out PSG, he played phenomenal that game. I actually You're loved him. Paris, let me have my moment. Is that three years him. ago? Yeah. Hey, hey, still beautiful. Like, still beautiful. Oh, it's a lovely <laughs> night, but you can't say you can't say oh this player should be playing because he did well three years ago. Then De Gea would still be the best keeper in the world if we're going off what he did. No, nah, I think like, the principle I'm using. The principle I'm using is because De Gea has played consistently from that point to this point. So you've seen like a massive sample size of him like dwindling. Like there's a, like the sample size is enough to see that he's been dwindling. But since Diego Dolo came to the club, he's never had a firm sitting. You only have good views of him here in patches. And I think even if we were to speak about Martial, actually no, Martial's slightly different because he has, he's never had a, a manager that's, that's believed in him, but you have seen like a sample size where you're like, this is kind of worrying or promising at the same time, depending on what angle you look at the player at. But I think overall, probably just get another right back to just put, put in that position. Um, pushing things forward now, the CDM position or CDMs, how would you think United should go forward with that in a sense of one holding defender or do you prefer the way that we have a dynamic duo or, well, I don't think it's dynamic, but you have the duo of McTominay and Fred? You've got to get rid of McTominay, man. And if you want ten half, <laughs> you might as well just bring in Gravenbach. <laughs> yeah, Gravenbach yeah, is good. Apparently, played really well today, as well against. Oh, who were they playing? Feyenoord, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I the CDM position. Obviously, we need two. I think like a like, like for that purchase, we need two purchases for that position. Ideally, this summer, because I remember seeing a graphic a while ago of all of Solskjaer's signings. 
on where they play and there's just a fat hole in the middle of the pitch because we didn't sign any like it was it's been a priority since one year into Matic's contract when he turned 30 or 31 um and we just never signed one and I don't get why um but I think definitely need at least two who um two many I love like yeah. incredible player um but I can't speak too much on who else I want because I don't know I don't know enough about other players at the moment to make any informed comments on that but definitely get to uh i would keep mctominay just for the moment because i don't see there's a, i don't see much of a positive in selling him like you're not going to get you're not going to get 30 million for him and kind of i think he's i think he's fairly popular among some of the players and you know you can play that jesse lingard role of bringing others through kind of being a point of contact for any young, young players coming through um I like Fred. I really like Fred. Um, good. Really good. I do. Th- I do think he's a good player. I've always thought he's a good player. He's just kind of again, it's slightly similar to Maguire. He's not been in a system which actually works for him. Like now, he is more, and he's doing so well under Raniak. He's been one of our best players since Raniak came in. Pogba, ideal world, give him anything he wants. I love that guy. One of the best players in the world when he can actually play football. But unfortunately, I don't see him signing a new contract. I think he's leaving. Um, so that's all I'm really going to say on Pogba. But yeah, so for our, for our midfield, that's huh. What about Bruno? Uh, what do you guys think about Bruno? <laughs> I like Bruno, but I'm a I'm a I'm a sucker for goals and assists. I like I I bought I buy into the whole Bruno Fernandez breaking all the records and making everyone angry thing. It's my favorite part about football when other people are angry. Um, but ultimately, from an actual kind of analytical football perspective, he needs to change his game to he need well, change, adapt. He needs to adapt to whoever comes in next because chances are whoever comes in next won't build around him. He was great under Solskjaer because the team was basically centered around him and he ran it and he did really well. But losing someone like Martial, who I think was really important to Bruno's game, means that chances are Bruno's not going to be the center piece for the squad. So he needs to be able to um, adapt his game to continue surviving in the team. But I wouldn't sell him. I don't see why we'd sell him. He's still a good player. I'm wondering as well um, what you guys think of the striker situation. I've been on record on this pod so many times. Um, talk about Ronaldo, how I feel like he's more of a hindrance to the team while Kevin is shouted, is the GOAT, is the GOAT. I don't disrespect him. 806, I mean, 806 career goal speaks for itself. I don't care anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like personally, you guys should actually move on from Ronaldo. Obviously, he's one of the coaches of the game, but I don't feel like, I feel like he's just got to that point where he's just starting to decline a little bit. You'll get some moments of brilliance, but I don't see it. So Denzel, what do you think of Ronaldo? And I want you to answer to after him. Yeah, I've always said it, that um, signing him was a mistake. I just feel like it was more of a, Oh, like this this one in, once in a lifetime opportunity has come by, and like if we don't do it, we might we might regret it. But then I think your board was more seeing it as like a, I think you guys looked at it from a commercial perspective, the shirt sales, the online buzz, you know, the whole fairy tale idea of you know he's come back to United and he's going to do it all again. But they didn't really consider that he's what 36, 37, and he's let's face it, he's coming to the end of his career now. He's even though he is Ronaldo, and because of the fact that he's Ronaldo, he's still better than most people in his position. I'd say even at his age now, he's still better than probably 85% of players in that position. 
But then you guys didn't consider the fact that signing him now is not sustainable because what happens is, A, you realise, okay, we've, he's not what we thought he was going to be, but then you can't leave him on the bench. You're paying him how much a week? You, you cannot afford to leave him on the bench doing nothing. And then B, you play him and you try and build around him, but then you can't build around a player that's going to retire in like, what, one, two seasons. So it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I don't think United should have signed him. I think they should just let him go somewhere else. And I think City psyops you guys into signing him. That whole thing of, oh, yeah, we're going to buy him, we're going to buy him. And then you guys pulled the trigger and I realised we probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, no. Nah, um, <clears throat> look, Cristiano Ronaldo is one of, if not the greatest player of all time. Like That guy is truly ridiculous but then again at the same time that it what I do think it was a mistake to sign him because I just it just wasn't the move we needed I don't think like we spent what 30 million on him and bear in mind how much he pays wages extra like 10 million or something could have got us too many last summer on much less wages as well so like and and that would have fixed our midfield problems so and I mean you look at it now Cavani's pretty much refusal to um play football or even be a footballer at all um martial's kind of lost form gone to sevilla uh we don't have any other strikers that i'm going to mention uh so like now it kind of like it's it it does feel like it's good that we have a striker given given circumstances but at the same time like i i just i don't know i don't think ronaldo was the right move but again like denzel said you can't really build around a 37 year old 36, 37 year old, but you can't not build around Ronaldo. So, like, yeah, it was it wasn't the right move for us. I don't think you should have bought that, that. No, 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 no. Don't don't get me started on that guy. He's not good. I promise you, he's not good. Nah, respect him. He's respect terrible, him. bro. He's I think, terrible. I think United should have committed to the young project, which we started because because if you can see how Arsenal are progressing now, United started investing into young players. Then I feel like our team basically reflected our managerial status, as in we kept sacking managers after every like two, three years with different philosophies. So we've got us kind of young in the middle of their career and on the, on the tail end of their career. And it kind of shows now because we've got a very lopsided squad. Obviously, the one who shall not be named, who used to play right wing, was the future of the club. However, with that chapter completely closed off now, we really do need to really look at what we're going to be doing with our attacking front because... I don't think it's the, he's not the heir to Rooney's throne. So what do we do going forward? And I think maybe slowly you can start introducing suggestions, um, Dylan and Yusuf. So what what one what one player could you think of in attack, in midfield, in defense, and that should be able that should be okay for the United rebuild. So obviously midfield, I already mentioned Chermany. Like honestly, he just needs to be top. So I'm I'm gonna go for someone different that we could sign. I would say Maxon's Kakare from Lyon. And Dylan obviously like watches quite a lot of Leon, so he he knows this guy quite well, and he's quite a big fan. I think Max wants Kakari, He's quite a similar player to Fred, in the sense he just brings like a ton of intensity. But I'd say he's more composed under fresh pressure than Fred is. He's a bit more kind of technically refined. He every time I've watched him, I have absolutely loved him. I really liked Bruno Gibraltar too. Uh, I thought he could have started for almost any team in the league, but like Newcastle bought him. Like he he would have started for Arsenal, he would have started for us, he would have started for a lot of teams. So, but like obviously he's gone to Newcastle, so I won't say him, but I'll say Maxon's Kakare because really him and Chiamini together, I feel could be such a good pivot if we're gonna play with a pivot. Even in like a 4-3-3, though, you could have Chiamini hold and you could have Maxon's Kakare as one of the centre mids. 
So I'll say him. Uh, in defence, that's a tough one because I don't know. Like left back, I don't think we need new players. Centre back, maybe like a young guy, he won't play as much. Uh, right back, obviously, we might need someone. Someone like Masrawi from Ajax could be a shout. Uh, if because I, I know he'll leave for free, so Ten Hag could bring him along. If we're talking about centre back, um, I need to watch some more of him, but. One guy who's actually caught my attention recently is Nico Schlotterbeck from uh, Freiburg, who are one that have got one of the best defensive records in the Bundesliga. And this guy, he's like a giant, but he's so comfortable on the ball. He's left-footed, and any any left-footed progressive defender already has my thumbs up. But he's he's an interesting player who I feel like could, I think he'll go Bayern, but he should he should at least be looked into. Uh, and up front, I don't know because. <sighs> It's tough. There's a lot of like young. I don't know which young strikers I really I look at right now and think United. So I'm gonna go with something unorthodox here. Actually, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna name an old guy, but an old guy who's still producing the goods. I'm gonna name Lewandowski. I think if he doesn't renew his buy, he's not gonna renew his buying contract. Drop whatever it takes to get him, and I'd say it'd be worth it because he's a he's still quite a few years younger than Ronaldo. But I think when you look at Lewandowski and Kane, like. Obviously, Lewandowski is better for me. Like, that's not even a debate. But Lewandowski, yeah. you buy him, you've, you know you've only got him for that one or two years. But you know those one or two years, you're going to get quality. It's almost guaranteed with a player like him. Whereas with Kane, you've got him for like four or five years. But there's no guarantee that that same quality stays for four or five years. Like it, After like two, three years, it could fizzle out. So I feel like if... We can't get a young striker right now. I would honestly consider tr- testing Bayern for Lewandowski, bringing him here, give him a couple of years. Then maybe in a couple of years, someone might be available who is better for what we need. So, yeah, a bit of an unorthodox claim, but I, 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 it's partly because I'm a massive, massive fanboy of Lewandowski. But yeah. Do you want, do you want Lukaku back? You can have him. No. Nah, nah, no, no, keep him away. Keep him away. Keep him away. Him away we'll, from the club. We'll, we'll, t- we'll take Havertz, though. We'll take Havertz. Not happening, bro. Yeah. No, it's what fine. Sorry. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, what is it? It's funny in terms of imagine if you guys finish sixth or something, what a strike are you going to get now? You know, I'd have more pool than Arsenal, even in, even if Arsenal had to get the Trapper Diggins at us. We are the coach club of fact. We are the culture club of England. Uh, <laughs> you're living off of you're living off of Thierry juice. That juice is running out. It's it's still alive, man. I don't care what you say, Dylan. Um, <laughs> who, who do you want in in those positions? Before we move uh, on, to I'm gonna I'm gonna have some fun and go entirely unrealistic, um, just because <laughs> I love these players. Um, so okay, midfield. By the way, uh, Kakare Yusuf, ridiculously good shout, great shout. So as he mentioned before, I quite like Leon. I just do. I've watched quite a lot of their games. He's awesome. He's such a good player. He's such a good midfielder. But um, I'm just going to go with Chiumani, obvious choice. But that's because he is my he is my number one choice. Uh, defender, I am going to say Tamori because I just Great I shot. really like him. Great I shot. really really like him. Like I think he was I think he was really good when he first came through in that season with Chelsea. He scored that banger against Wolves, and I love long long range goals. Um, but just in general, and I think he's improved tenfold at AC Milan, just no one's seen it because it's Italy. And I can't claim to say that I've watched a lot of him um, and watched a lot of Italy, but from what I have seen and whenever I kind of catch highlights or whatever, he just looks so good. 
And I think him next to Varane would be, there'll be a lovely partnership. Yeah. Um, and up front, get Michel Felix. I don't care about realism. He's get Michel Felix. Us. That guy, that guy is one of the best young players I've ever seen. I don't know, like him when he was against him against United. It was like considering who he plays for, he plays for a team which they're like kind of. I think against United, like in the second half, their average territory was probably within their own their own third, and he was. But he still managed to score against us in the first leg. Um, I, he scored again in the second leg, but I think Lorente was just offside. And oh, bro, he's amazing. He's so good. I'd I'd do anything to have him at this club. So yeah, those are my three highly unrealistic choices for <laughs> for who to sign. A more is a great you- shout. We should have never ever sold him. And Lampard, you will not see heaven for selling him. <laughs> Tomorrow is so good. Tomorrow is so good. Yeah, Kevin, anything to say before we move on from the United section to England? Um, I'll keep it brief. So in defence, I completely agree that we need a fast, um, more centre back. Tomorrow would have been my section. I was actually thinking about him this morning. That sounds weird. I was, I was thinking about football. I was thinking of Tomorrow for the centre back position. In midfield, I believe we blew it with not getting um, Zakaria because for that kind of money, well, bloody hell. But um, I don't like Tremeni. I've heard him thrown around quite a lot and I have seen, I think, one or two games of him and he looks promising. Compared to McTominay, I'll bloody take him. Um, but regarding the CDM position, I believe I'll give you more of a trait and then the players can be whoever falls into that trait. I want a tenacious relentless CDM but knows how to switch it straight into creativity when he needs to Agreed. that's why I want as if you cover a, a great amount of ground in a quick period of time um, in um, the attacking positions I want I want a blend of players who are creative some who are direct and then just moments of madness in the sense of those players who are able to bring the, a nice coalition of creativity scoring ability and trickery those players who would fit that mold, I don't mind. I don't need to know your name because I don't want established players all the time anymore. I want well-scouted players to come to Manchester United. I want that fourth division Brazilian player to come to United, which is what Arsenal did. And now we know him as Martinelli. I want that for United. I don't always want to hear the big name. You know what I mean? Like, have you guys ever gone to Lidl? Then you buy something, you don't know the name of it. Now it's your number one purchase. That's what I want. <laughs> I shop for Lidl all the time. It's around the corner from me. <laughs> Uh, actually, I, I want I want to throw one more uh, one more name out there for United. I want to sign in is Elise. Oh, Elise! Damn, he's yeah. a player. He is yes. a player and a half, and I think he's got a thirty-five million release clause at the moment as well. Because Palace bought him for eight. They bought him for eight million, Bro. and they put a thirty-five million million in his contract, why? and he's already worth like double that in my why opinion. Did, why did we let him? Elise is fantastic. <laughs> Chelsea, man. <laughs> That's that's the problem. Cobham Cobham's Chelsea's so good that facts. we can't keep yeah, we can't keep everyone because Cobham's just so good. But honestly, is a different level of talent. Yeah. Honestly, you could make like an eleven of ex Cobham players and it would be like one of the best teams in the world. Like someone like Jamal Musiala is an ex Chelsea Academy player. When you deep how ridiculously good that guy is, like it's crazy. There but was they, one they, final they thing. Yeah, they beat United 100 percent There was just one final thing I wanted to say about United rebuilding though. Our wage structure needs to change. Uh, so, I, so I'm an economics student, okay. I've, I've, I, and I've got a book called Stockonomics, which is basically like the economics of football. There's actually research that shows um, it, if you look at a team's wage structure, it's a better indicator of their success than a team's transfer budget. And we have got one of the biggest wage structures in the world. We've got the biggest in England, I'm pretty sure, by quite a bit. But 
it's really, really badly. And it's been done over a long time, by the way. It's really the wages are really badly allocated. We're paying players so much more than they deserve to be paid. Most of them, like Rashford, is on like two fifty k a week or something. Ronaldo's on a ridiculous amount. I guess fair enough for someone like Ronaldo because commercially, obviously, he's football's biggest name. Like Maguire's on a ridiculously high amount. Cavani almost never plays yet. He's on that two hundred something k a week. Go drop. Go drop. Phil Jones, Phil Jones oh, earning a salary. Phil Jones earning a salary alone is concerning. Brandon Williams earns like <laughs> 65k a week. There's so many players who are just stupidly overpaid, and that that needs to change. That is something I actively want to see us look to change because it's really concerning. Yeah, um, I think this has been a really good comprehensive section on Man United, and the thing is, we could discuss this for even two hours, three hours if we wanted to. So. Obviously, anyone listening, you know, let us know your thoughts on United, what signings they need to make, what has to be improved. But Kevin, Dylan, Yusuf has been very good talking about United. And we'll move on to the England squad now. So, obviously, just a few days ago, Gareth Southgate named his England squad for friendlies against Switzerland and the Ivory Coast. And I was thinking what would be good so that you can kind of get to know the 11 is that we do... Um, a 4-3-3 of what would be the best team out of the squad you selected to start. So I'll obviously read out some names and I'll go through all of you and you can say who you fit should start. So for goalkeeper, there is Jordan Pickford, Nick Pope and Aaron Ramsdale. So there's a right answer. Who should be England's number one? Yeah, so my humble, my personal opinion, I think Ramsdale should be the, the starting keeper for England just because um, based on current form and the general aura of the modern game of the game so far I think um, Pickford is kind of the easiest choice like I do understand that um, Pickford has been in goal for a prolonged period of time but I believe we should just try something new because um, I think of all the keepers Pickford is quite known for like conceding some mad goals isn't he like yeah. every time I see watch Pickford play I'm pretty sure I see like a screamer for how many yards out and Ramsdale he makes crazy saves he he reminds me of De Gea sometimes. I know Karras can get upset, but he reminds me of a ball playing De Gea sometimes. Key word is sometimes, Karras. Don't let that get to your head. We're clear of De Gea already, don't worry. Denzel, who do you think should be the starting keeper for England? Obvious answer, Ramsdale. I think out of all the English keepers right now, he's in the best form. Um, when Arsenal signed him and the price like, what, 32 million or something? It bewildered everybody, me included, because I was thinking, what, like, why the hell is Ramsdale worth? 32 million but he's definitely shown his price like he is worth that 32 million for a fact so I think he deserves a start I don't think Pitford should be starting at all yeah man he's one of them that as an Arsenal fan I'll be very biased but for me Pickford has made so many mistakes this season that you can't justify him being number one for the World Cup no chance Dylan and you so what do you guys think before we move on to the next section uh yeah Ramsdale for me I I didn't understand when Arsenal signed him because I think statistically he was the worst keeper in the league for Sheffield yeah. when they went down, like solid rock bottom 20th. And then you signed him for 32 million. I was just sat there going, who who, who sanctioned that one? But <laughs> he's, he surprised me a lot. He's made some lovely camera saves. I like, I'm, I'm, I'm a camera save fan, which is one thing I liked about the hair. But also he, it was clear when you had Leno in Gog the other day, He's actually so integral to Arsenal at the moment now as well. Like he just makes your whole squad look calmer 
when you're playing. And I think he can definitely bring that to England because a lot of the players who start for England have started playing kind of under these more ball retention systems compared to the Sven Goran Eriksson era of kicking it up to Wayne Rooney and hoping for the best. So Ramsdale for me. You know what? Part of me just wants to be different and not say Ramsdale to be the only guy and to piss off Karis, but I'm 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 I'm, I'm going to be serious. I'm going to say I'm going to say Ramsdale. He he's definitely the guy who deserves it. Um, Pickford Pickford has never fully convinced me. He's been good for England, but I think the main reason he played for England is because of his kicking. But now Ramsdale's got the kicking as well, and he's whilst he he can be a suspect shot stopper at times. Ramsdale's a better shot stopper than Pickford is, and he's got better kicking. So I really, and truly, I don't see any reason why Ramsdale shouldn't be starting for England currently. No, I can agree with the criticism, but to be honest, I think Ramsdale's one that he's only like 22, 23. It will continue to grow as it is. And for sure, at least he's the best English keeper for now. So let's go to the defence. In terms of the right-backs that were called up, it was Trent Alexander-Arnold and Rhys James. So... As of now, which of the two would you guys start? Because I think this one will split opinion. Reese James, let's move on. Massa, let's move on. Calm down, Denzel. Reese James. <laughs> Reece James, bro. Reece James. So why Reese James? Why why Reese James then? Reese James is the complete fullback. Like defensively, he's great. Attacking, okay, attacking wise, he is neck and neck with Trent. I would say Trent edges him slightly. Neck and neck. He is though. So bro, that's Bro, he is that is a big statement, bro. That is a very big statement. You guys probably don't watch Chelsea enough, but Reese James practically does it all. Like he can whip a ball into the box and he gets goals as well. So I don't see why everyone people make it seem as if Trent is way ahead of Reese James, but he's really not. He does everything almost down to a T. I want to know. Trent does get a lot of um air blown up his ass more than I think he deserves to be honest but I feel like how I see the two is Trent the, the, the difference in attacking output between Trent and Reese is massive but it's not big enough compared to the defensive differences between Reese James and Trent if you know what I mean so I feel like because of the difference in, difference in their strengths I prefer Reese James and let's be honest Reese James is going to be smacking in goals for Chelsea this year bro put Reese James in that Liverpool team he's putting up the exact same numbers as Trent if not higher the only reason oh, why Rich okay, James. Okay. The only yeah, reason why Rich James. No, 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 no. The only no, reason why Rich. The only reason. No, 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 no. Everything I said. Everything I said goes out. Goes out the window after that. Bro, comment. the only reason why Rich James doesn't have the same numbers as assists because our attack is absolute cheeks. Don't blame Lukaku for this. Our attack is <laughs> cheeks, bro. I'm not. Honest. If we if we had Salah, Mane, if we had Liverpool's forwards, Rich James is putting up mad numbers. I'm sorry. You I'm had Salah. What did you do with him? You had Salah. No, 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 no. I'm talking about if we had Liverpool's attack right now, Reese James is putting up bad numbers. You can hold me to that. <laughs> you chose me, I need to have shame. I didn't they know really what do, you think. They really do. What's going on? <laughs> I'm on the verge <laughs> of the nah, piss, bro. Like, I, I put it this way. Like, when I watch Trent, I have never seen a, someone control a game as much as Trent does from right back. This guy is playing at right back and he is controlling entire matches. What? I have not seen that before. Philip, like Philip a guy Lund. is at right back controlling the entire game for a team which got 97 points in the Premier League. No one, in my eyes, no one can chat to that as far as right backs go. That is ridiculous. I know, what like, you know, like you base system on a football, but base, base, sorry, base the football on fullbacks. But there's basing the system on fullbacks. Then there's Trent Alexander Arnold. Like, he, I, just in my opinion, 
he is such a level above genuinely anyone else. And I know I'm speaking this in this, he's a Liverpool system, in England system, different, slightly different story because Klopp's a much better manager than Southgate is, in my opinion. But the guy controls matches from right back. And that alone, I think, should just put him on a different pedestal to anyone else. Like, he's ridiculous. I, w- I went to the uh, Arsenal-Liverpool um, Carabao Cup game at the Emirates. And he had a... Bl- he was... I couldn't believe it. Like how, how good he was. I was just sat there just watching the entire game. Like I've never seen a player of his kind of, like type not necessarily like any player ever but obviously but like a player of like his type and the position he plays whatever do generally in a game what he does I think is mad and I think Liverpool are so lucky I can't believe they're lucked out with that but yeah no I Trent for me 100% best right back in the world no question in my humble opinion of course look, look at them silent that is how you argue football I'm still taking RJ, man. Trent is amazing. I can't lie. Trent is, yeah, he's amazing. But I'm taking RJ. I'm going to move on to the centre backs, and Yusuf can talk first on this. So the centre. I was, I was just, I was just going to say about right backs before, before, like, I, I just have a question for Lib. Did you really need to say, in my opinion, when you said Klopp is a better manager than Southgate? I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) You're already practically correct there. That's a known fact, bro. You never, you never, you never know what people are gonna clip. Like, is it, I don't. I mean, I don't know why it will be clipping me, but still, I hear, I hear that. Yeah. Um. So in terms of centre backs, Gareth Southgate picked Connor Cody, Mark Way from Crystal Palace, Harry Maguire, Tyrone Mings, John Stones, and Ben White. Now, before I ask you of what he thinks, I'm very annoyed that Tomori missed out on the English squad, and I feel like personally. Southgate probably doesn't even watch Italian football. Let's be honest. And if he does, actually, no, I can't even say that because he called up Tammy. So if, if you call up Tammy, why can't you call up Tamori? Because Tammy gets headlines. I know this is a really <laughs> cynical thing to say, but, you know, you can see on a stat sheet how many, people, how many goals someone scored. Like, mm-hmm. I might just be really being really cynical there, but, like, I agree. Tamori should have been called up. 100%. That, that, that defence is a geriatric defence. No <laughs> pace whatsoever. No pace <laughs> at all. So slow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, who would you guys start as a centre-back parents for Yusuf? Who would you start out of one of those names? So I think I think if for like the top choice, I think England's established centre-back pairing of Maguire and Stones is the way to go. And I know based on club form, Maguire doesn't deserve to be in there. But I think based on how he performs for England... I would keep him in there for now, if that makes sense. Like, just because he's historically a very, very good England performer. And I think him and Stones, they just work, if you know what I mean. They, they, just, they just work together for England. So I think for now, that would be the kind of first choice pairing. But I would very much like to see White and Gwehi get some minutes. I'm a really big fan of Gwehi. I'm actually, I'm not sure why Chelsea sold him exactly, because he is talented, really talented. You actually read my mind because that's what I was thinking. If you talk about in terms of previous pedigree and what Southgate has chosen, Maguire and Stones would be first choice. But in terms of form, Maguire has been awful this season and Stones has not really played enough of the more Laporte and Diaz. So if we're playing them on form, which obviously form doesn't always matter to international managers, it's usually what you're used to. But on form, I would play Gwei and White too. Gwei's been fantastic for Palace. Like, I think nowadays he even captains them. He's been that good. 
like he carries the ball out so well. He's a great passer, very physical, almost like a very complete defender, like Tomori's as well. Like they're both such a good. And then Ben White, you lot on the project, you all laughed when Ben White came to Arsenal. You all laughed. Now look at how he's doing. Fantastic defender. I'll laugh again. Playing genius. It's a you can keep laughing. Because he will start for your club. Because he will start for your club. Trust me. Of course he would. Have you seen who we have in defence? Of course he would. <laughs> but no, nah, I feel like... Um, quick, quick question. So regarding our picks, do they have to have been called up? Or can we just say anybody? Um, The ones that I've read are the ones that have been called up. For yeah. this so it has, has to be out of the called up ones. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll ask everyone. So I'll make my, make my section out of everyone. So I'll like, who is the best ball-playing centre-back in that list? Ben White currently. Yeah, probably Ben White and then Gwehi. Okay, and then who's the most physically gifted centre-back in that in this um, call-up? Gwehi. Gwehi or Stones, actually. Gwehi's quicker, but I think Stones is... Maguire and Stones for me. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not counting... If you're not counting... Yeah, yes. Maguire, of course, is but quite yeah. strong. No, Do no, you know I, mean, I, mean, terms, I mean in terms of speed, because the World Cup is... Ooh. You have to go based on the contenders. Okay, speed, yeah, no. <laughs> like Mbappe in behind Maguire, the whole country's the whole country's on his knees. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think personally, Guehi and um, Ben White, just yeah, based that's... on the fact that I think one ball playing one, one physical one is what you need. And Ben White's not even that slow as well. I picked Ben White and Stones, and if not Stones, I do go with Ben White and Guehi. But I think Ben White definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was going to say I was, I was going to say Ben White and Stones, but the point I also want to make is I still think England's best formation is actually with three at the back, if you include Carl Walker. So I didn't say him in the right back scenes. I know he's not been called up, so he doesn't technically count at the yeah. moment. But I would say three at the back with Carl Walker in there because he's a, a three at the back. Walker is a six on the back because he, he, he there, there's your pace as well. If you're not going to bring Tamori in, there's your speed. Yeah. It's Carl Walker. That's just one one point I wanted to make. But I would I'd go with the moment Stones and Ben White. No, that's very true. It's a good point that I forgot to make, and none of us did either. Like obviously, England's been used to playing three at the back, so Carl Walker. I'm surprised he wasn't called up, but we'll see what happens in the future with that. Now, the left back situation is quite interesting because I think the only left back there was Luke Shaw, but there's been rumours. Well, I think not even just rumours now. It's actually going to happen that Tyreek Mitchell of Crystal Palace is going to be called up. So, what do you guys think of that? Whoever wants to go first. I'll just say Shaw again. Like Shaw, he's not yeah. had the best season, but he's got a start. Like <clears throat> I think throwing Mitch Mitchell's he's he's talented, but he's not the best on the ball. And like just I don't know, throwing him in there doesn't seem like the right move for me. So I would I would say it's got to be Shaw, a left back, regardless. Yeah, I'm going with Shaw as well. Yeah, me I'm too. going with Shaw. I would say there's a potential argument if he wasn't injured that obviously Chilwell would be in over Shaw. I still think Shaw over Chilwell, but like Chilwell would be an argument. Um, if he wasn't injured, but no, sure, for certain, at least for these fixtures. All right, sounds good. Now, I know usually England midfield tend to play like a, a double pivot, but just for the sake of our pod and to be more interesting, I want to change that because I think Southgate in some games has tried like a 4 3 3 sort of thing with like Foden in a free role. So I'm going to say for this one, Foden's a guaranteed start for now because he just tends to start for England, but say in a 4 3 3. Who would be the three midfielders that you have? And who we've got in this list would be Jude Bellingham, Conor Gallagher, Jordan Henderson, Mason Mount, Declan Rice, James Ward-Prowse, and Phil Foden. So who would be a midfield three? And maybe you might not even want Foden in there. So I want to know what you guys think. I went with a very different choice, you know. I picked Rice, Gallagher, and Bellingham. I'll say Rice because Rice is a really good 
defensive midfielder. Like he's very composed on the ball and he can pick a very good pass as well. And Gallagher is an amazing box-to-box talent as well. And he's his intensity is amazing. Like he can press the full 90 minutes. But the only criticism I have of Gallagher is he needs to control that press a little. He can be a bit wild at times. Like he's just like he runs everywhere, which is great because he's like he reminds me of Kante, but if Kante scores as well. So I feel like Gallagher would definitely be a great starting option. And then Bellingham is Jude Bellingham. Like his creativity is amazing. So I feel like having that creativity in midfield is great to have because I feel like the way England suffers sometimes, we don't have enough creative options. I feel like Southgate, he goes very defensive-minded when he picks the teams. So I feel like we need a balance of defence and creative options. I would say my midfield three would be Rice, Bellingham and Foden, I think. Assuming Foden plays on CNA and not as right wing, um, which I think he has before for City. But um, I think Bellingham, great player. Like, Bellingham is going to be so, so good when he's older, barring injury, obviously. Uh, Rice, I really like. I kind of, I, I have. I always have. Just kind of like, I quite like, he's in, improved tenfold since he started playing for West Ham uh, first team. So I think he was like, what, 19 when he came in? 18? Um, and he was good then, but now he looks like he's he's grown up and he's starting to completely just boss midfields occasionally. And I think he's a great player. And... Um, Foden or Foden's Foden. There's not much more I think I can say about him. As already been said, Foden's a great player and he will have a sick career. Hope. Well, I mean, I say hopefully. It'll be for City, so I don't know if I want that to happen. But, like, individually, awesome player. Yeah, I think um, that midfield trio is probably the best because it's the most balanced. So, for example, um, Declan Rice to hold the midfield and Jude Bellingham, who's kind of like a perfect mixture. He's got, I believe he's physical enough to do defensive work and also creative enough to do attacking work. And then Phil Foden, yeah, like, yes, he's the, the wrong side of Manchester, but he's a fantastic player, isn't he? So I feel like that type of trio is suits the modern game. And I believe any midfield in world football, at least that English midfield can give them a good game. Not saying that they would win that midfield battle, but it will be a good enough game where a good enough of chances would win, um, would would come from that midfield. And if Harry Kane is on his A game, I believe he would finish a good majority of those. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I, I think, um, I think, sorry, Karis, you go ahead. No, no, you go first, it's fine. Uh, cool. So, yeah, I think that midfield of um, Rice, Bellingham, and I hate to say it, but Foden, uh, is, is a good midfield free to have because obviously Rice, he's kind of developed into more of a box-to-box at West Ham, but he can still play that holding role. And I feel like he's England's best option there at the moment. Um, but Kelvin Phillips is a good alternative. Uh, Bellingham's a very good box-to-box midfielder. Very, very good one, actually. Uh, his passing needs work, in my opinion, but ball carrying, his ability to arrive late in the box for me is one of his best attributes that he's he gets a lot of goals like that. And I'm not as big a fan of him as a lot of people are, but Foden is probably England's then best option in that kind of free role then. Uh, I think Mount w- would put in a very good shift, but I think Foden is just technically more like refined. He's he's more creative than Mount is. So that would be the midfield for me. Yeah, I think i got the same with all of you. I'm still a little bit annoyed because last night I must have tweeted, oh, um, we were talking about Thomas Party in the Arsenal game, and I was like, um, where, where, do you, where do you rank him in terms of midfielders in the world? I must have tweeted, like, I think Partey is better than Rice, but I also think Rice is world class. I had some massive West Ham account quote me that had like 100 quotes for saying that Partey is better than Rice. But you got caught by the EDL, bro. 
Ethiopian <laughs> <laughs> people, like, part is an amazing part. These men have forgotten what he's done at Atletico, but aside from the subject, um, I still rate Rice, so I'd put him in there, in the pivot, not pivot, in that holding role with Bellingham, who can, you know, go up and down and arrive into the box, and then obviously full Foden is full Foden. So the reason why I kind of put him in midfield is because of um, an attacking choice. And personally, I believe that Saka should have his right wing spot nailed down personally. But I'll name the, I'm not biased, of course, but I'll name the attacking options. So we have Tammy Abraham, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Bukayo Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe and Raheem Sterling. So he should be England's front three for the World Cup. I went Saka, Kane, Smith-Rowe. Sancho's missing from this. I'm so sorry, I can't keep quiet. Sancho's missing. Yeah, from this. no, I was I was gonna just about to mention this. it's a failure and travesty of English football that Sancho hasn't been called up. 100 percent How did that happen though? I'm enjoying this, I can't lie to you. Because <laughs> Sancho, no, Sancho is better than the vast majority of his players. It's it's a disgrace. 100 percent I think it's because he doesn't he doesn't fall he doesn't like he doesn't like fall into the mold of the English footballer. The the blood on his t-shirt, the sliding into the mud, banging his head on the ground. He's a technical footballer, which is what a footballer should be. Like if you wanna what if you want the passion merchant, then you're not you're not you're not in the right place in the modern game. You have to take a time machine and go back to the Graham Soonest times. Nevertheless, <laughs> if in the ideal world, Sancho left wing, Harry Kane right. Saka, um, Saka, Harry Kane centre, Saka right. Yeah. Um, can I just say, yeah, so Southgate mm. said on Sancho that he wasn't going to, he didn't call him up just because at the moment the other players he did call up are just playing better. Then picked Jack Grealish. <laughs> Jack Grealish. <laughs> Jack Grealish, great player. I like Grealish. I wanted him at the club. Um, I wanted him at United when he was kind of leaving Villa. But you can't pick Grealish over Sancho, mm. then talk about who's been playing better recently. Because Sancho be- started the season poorly. There's no denying that. Like everyone, everyone knows that. But the last couple months, he's been so good. He's got, I think, like three goals, three assists in his last eight, nine appearances and been top three players on the pitch pretty consistently for the last two, two and a half months. If you're going off merit, he's in that team. So my three, I'm. Out of pure bitterness, I'm going to include Sancho on the left wing, uh, Kane up top, Saka right wing, because no one's going to take that right wing space of Saka at the moment. He's doing so well. Um, but realistically, I would probably put Sterling on the left just because, you know, he's safe option for England. He just always seems to do quite well. But I would put Sancho over Sterling if Sancho got called up. I just want to yeah, say... Yeah, Paris, Paris. Oh, no, go ahead. As long as Southgate is manager, England's not winning anything. People just need to accept that. Did someone ask me something, by the way? You know, I was just going to say, Karras is not going to like this, but since that February, Sancho has been in better form than Smith Rowe has. So Dylan's point does that, that South, is what, what Southgate's point that Dylan mentioned doesn't really hold up. To be honest, I'm not used to it. Say it again. Sancho has been in better form than Smith Rowe. That's and that's not a slight on Smith Rowe. Okay, I've spoken to Karras many times about Smith Rowe. He knows what I think of him. He knows how highly I rate him. But to for Southgate to talk about form and then not pick Sancho, it just I don't know. I feel it, it feels like there's something there. Like I don't know. I feel like Southgate just doesn't seem to like Sancho for some reason because he talks up. He names reasons for not picking certain players or for picking certain players, but then Sancho just seems to be the opposite of that. Like, 
Sancho has been in very good form. He's been one of United, if not United's best player in 2022. I just, I don't understand Southgate's almost refusal to pick him. But yeah, uh, my front three, Saka on the right, I think you just, you can't really argue against that at the moment. He's been, he's been so, so good. Uh, and also I think one thing about Saka is he's so hardworking and also very physical now. So this season, Saka, he actually reminds me a bit of Rashford from 1920 because you can just see like in terms of his strength, he's gone a level above and it really is, it's changed his game completely. He's just, he's a lot more like powerful now when he's with the ball. You can't, you can't shrug him off the ball. I think it's also yeah, quite um, a travesty. Yeah. I know Karis going to hate me for this, but I, I personally think it's a travesty that, you know, my boy Callum Hasmodoy did not get called out. What? Um, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I leave the point of the music out. How dare you it's bring up Callum yeah, Hasmodoy? How dare you? <laughs> how dare this you? This is England, not Ghana. We're not talking about Wash Ghana. Wash your mouth. Like, England. <laughs> Wash your mouth. Not just Callum there as an option, isn't it? Just, you know... <laughs> You are get you are get a two game ban. Next next two pods, you're not you're not involved then, though. That's a two game ban for you. No, <laughs> FA review, three game ban. Oh, but even, <laughs> do you know what? Yeah, I'm taking a piss here, but I do feel sorry for Callum Hudson though. Like, I just don't think he's. I don't think he's ever going to get called up, man. How is he even involved in this conversation? Gone is waiting in it. <laughs> Gone is waiting for him. His will he even get called up for Ghana. Suleiman is doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> his ceiling is Adamola Lookman. That's his ceiling, Adamola Lookman. <laughs> oh man. Oh, no. But yeah, for me personally, in terms of the England squad, to be honest, like I like my banter in it, but I do understand where you just coming from with the whole Sancho Smith Rowe thing. I still, of course, Smith Rowe's had a better season. I think recently he's had like some injury issues anyway. But regardless, when he's played for us, even against Villa, he played very well, even without scoring. Like he even dropped Matty Cash for just a little shoulder fit and stuff. He was on form. And he's been playing well for us all season, really. But obviously, he wouldn't start off at England right now. But in the future, I think Smith Rowe will be an option as in the midfield three, because I think Arteta is trying to make him become more of a centre-mid sort of player in the future. But in terms of who I'd pick, I'd probably go with the generic ones, Sterling, Kane and Saka. Um, in terms of Saka, for me right now, best English talent. I know people disagree, I don't mind that, but the way he takes on his fullback every game, I don't think there's any fullback that has been able to handle him this season. Even Robertson has not been able to handle him like fully this season, and we know how good Robertson is. Um, Sterling, you know, just class is permanent, isn't it? So he'll always be performing, he always performs to England, and yeah, that's a no-brainer. Kane well, well, is a bit of a... Sorry, sorry. Just before we go to Kane, I just want I just want the world to remember, oh, not the world, but the listeners to remember that England would have made it to 2018 World Cup final if Sterling sweated it, or if Harry. No, it was Harry Kane's fault, wasn't it? It was Harry Kane. Yeah, was yeah, to sweat it to Sterling. Weren't he offside? It, he squared it. I was offside. Anyway, yeah. Nevertheless, don't risk it, man. That that angle was all the way off. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, in terms of Harry Kane, yeah. he's been not great this season at all. Um, I feel like a lot of arguments, even like the ones that the United fans still in the news for when he's for Maguire, is that, you know, he's shown that he's been in good form before and Kane before has shown good form. So I can understand people want to lean back on things that happened in the past. But I think in the international break, I definitely want to see Tammy being given a shot because he's been fantastic this season. Like he's performed, outperformed so many names in Syria, even the likes of Vlahovic, the likes of 
Osiman um, names that are probably rated above Tammy at one point. He's outperformed them. So that just shows you how good he's been doing, how Mourinho has a great eye for a striker. So I feel like Tammy needs to be given a good chance to show what he can do. Instead of Kane feeling so comfortable that, you know, he's got this spot, he's England captain. No, he needs to be worked for his place, really. So for now, Saka, Kane and Sterling and Sancho be left up brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good squad, to be honest. I think we can wrap it up here, you know. Still not going to win it, but yeah, it's a pretty decent squad. But yeah, um, this has been an extra long podcast, but I think it's been good because we've covered Manchester United in depth. And it's been a pleasure to have you both to the new Yusuf onto this pod. Hopefully you can have you guys again in the future. So, man, um, thank you for having me. One final thing, though, actually, Karis, what was it you said to me about United fans who are obsessed with Kane? You said, like, plantain United Twitter or something. <laughs> Wait, what's this? <laughs> well, yeah, ages ago, we were talking about Kane. You were saying about how like, a certain section of United Twitter is obsessed with him. I'm pretty sure you said called them plantain United Twitter. Let's forget on to that. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, sounds, that, sounds, that sounds cancellation worthy. <laughs> Don't worry about that, innit? We'll leave that Don't for another time. Yeah, keep the PG. But yeah, it's been good. If Kevin, if you want to close out, then yeah. Ah, oh, thank you guys. It's been an honor to have Dylan. Um, would you like to shout out your your Twitter handle? Yeah, I mean, any anyone listening wants to know, you know, all the best best content you can get from United um, is United District on Twitter. So UDT District. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's me. Um, well, along with some others, but, you know, I'm part of it. And yeah, thank you for inviting me on as well. Had a blast. That's such a white thing to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> had a, a, yeah, cheers. No, it was a pleasure to have you on. Also, Yusuf, we'd like to um, remind us of your Twitter handle. Um, I don't really use my main Twitter much, to be honest, but if you want to check out my Medium page, uh, Inside7 double underscore, if you want to check out my football writing, I've written a few articles. I've got many more planned, hopefully, and hopefully I'll have some more featuring on United District. So, yeah, got got a lot planned. It was an honour to have both of you on the pod. And as always, it's been me, Kevin, and my co-host, Karis and Denzel, and come over to follow us on the BTV pod. And we hope you enjoyed today's um, episode of the BTV podcast.